News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Here we are. It is the May long weekend. It, things are greening up big time. It's go time. It is go time, yeah. Yep. We might have slightly less listenership because I have a feeling there's going to be people that are be like, you know, hands in the dirt right now, putting the garden in. Hands in the dirt, out at the lake, getting the docks in. Yep. And all of that stuff is yep. happening this weekend. So if you're uh, taking some time to uh, stick with us and listen, we really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. one 332 8255 is the number you can call. You can use that to text us, send in a text, or give us a call. We always like to get the calls on first to keep people you know, not waiting so long on the phone lines and try to get to as many texts as we can throughout the show as well. But if you need something answered right away, uh, you know, just send us a text or send us a call. I've got a question that comes from my sister-in-law, oh, who yeah. is in town right now. We were building a deck for my aunt okay and yesterday. you guys are coming over to my house to help me build my pergola afterwards right is that so yeah oh okay the deck is done so i guess the crew is ready to go over there <laughs> thank you <laughs> anyways sister-in-law is looking for ashley is looking for a blackberry can okay. you grow blackberries in saskatchewan there's one that's called chester chester blackberry, blackberry. it's the one, only one that's kind of hardiness but i would say it's a tender hardy so you want to cover it in the winter cover it in the winter time it grows really tall so you almost need to like put up a little some posts and some wires or up against a fence you know or a building or something, something to tie it to okay kind of like what your raspberry bushes would do yeah. when they get really, really big. tall these ones will get tall so mm -hmm. we did but, we did but, some research and saw that there is a some kind of weird hybrid a few garden centers are selling between raspberries and blackberries there's a black raspberry mm. yeah sort of a hybrid I, plant. I have a black raspberry it's called auburn black Okay. Auburn black raspberry, and also there's a Wyoming black raspberry. Okay, but they're okay. still raspberry plants. They're though, still right? raspberry plants. But a, an actual blackberry, it's is, called a Chester blackberry. Yeah, those are black raspberries, like the Wyoming okay. and, and, and Auburn black. They're raspberries, but the Chester is a blackberry. And like I said, you need to cut, you need to mulch it for the wintertime. Mulch it heavy and uh, trim it down. Cause Some people lot, even put a box around it and fill that box with leaves Leaves and that kind of stuff, yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Um, so that's about the only one that's going to make it here, right? Have you ever seen any of the hybrid plants? Do they, do they ever do that, actually sell crosses between yep. fruits like that? Yeah, a lot of times there's, there's, um, there was another one called, uh, I used to sell a lot of them. It was like a, it was a cross between a, a red currant and a gooseberry called Jostaberry. A red berry? Okay. And uh, so <laughs> there's, there's a lot of cross different things around there, but, uh, um, but yeah, no, there's, um, but a lot of people just want, like, they want a Saskatoon berry, they want a Saskatoon berry, right? Right. Okay. So, gotcha. but there's a lot now there's, you can sell a lot of pots. They have compost. Like, let's say you, you have a Hascap, uh, but, but you, you know, you need a male and a, they can need two different varieties mm -hmm. to cross pollinate and two different, some varieties don't cross pollinate with other varieties. So in the Hascap family. So now we're doing a, actually a, a combination Hascap pot. Oh, so it has like two or three plants in the same pot that is ready to go. Well, that's neat. Yeah, so. and or you have the combination apples too. Combination apples or mm -hmm. combination... Right, two, two different apples I, grafted under the same tree. I usually can get combination plums. This year I couldn't get combination plums, but I could get combination apples. So now so people that can't don't have the room to plant two apples, they can plant one apple with three or four different apples on the same tree. Cool. Cool. one 332 8255 Let's go to the phone lines because we've already got somebody who's joining us this morning in Saskatoon. Cheryl's on the line. Good morning, Cheryl. Uh, good morning. Hi, Rick. Um, 
I have a question about growing begonias, and this is a recurring problem for me. They look absolutely beautiful when I bring them home from the store, and then after they've been home for a little while, um, the stems kind of start drying up and turning brown above the soil line, and then everything attached above falls off. Um, am I overwatering or underwatering? Yeah, most likely what you're doing is it's it's, it's a watering issue. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what they they like to go even e- be evenly moist. They like to dry out a little bit between watering. And a lot of those begonias are actually tubers, so they have mm-hmm. a bulb in the in the base. So if that tuber stays too wet, you're going to start getting it. It almost looks like you're drying it out, but it's actually too wet. And remember, begonias are always put in the shade, right? So then you have to really watch. It's totally different watering than if it's if it's a full sun basket, let's say, or pot. So is it a good idea just to water them a little bit at a time or? Stick your finger into the pot. Mm-hmm. If, if you feel moisture, don't water it. And but when I water them when I'm at home, especially when I'm just in between getting them into my yard, I'll bottom water them instead of watering from the top. So just stick them in a bowl of water into your sink, soak up the water from the bottom and uh, and then give it a thorough watering and then let it dry out again. That's if it's in a oh. pot that you just brought back from the garden yeah, center, right? Yeah, if you're in between getting it into your garden. So it's good to dry it out entirely between yeah, watering. Yeah, exactly. And then also when you're watering, uh, try not to water over top of the leaves. Try to stick your, your watering wand into the pot so that you're watering the soil rather than the top of the plant. Yes, okay. Okay. Now, the other thing too is a lot of people forget we have um, fertilizer on tap in our greenhouses. So if you take that plant home and you're not feeding it or fertilizing it, um, you're also going to maybe have some issues because that plant's going to go, oh, I've been being fed all the time and then all of a sudden I'm not anymore. So make sure you're feeding it regularly. For a begonia, I would suggest doing a 15-30-15 fertilizer. Um, that's just going to help with reblooming it through the season as well. They get hangry. No, <laughs> they get very they hangry if they don't keep feeding them. <laughs> They're like people, right? They're like yeah, people. Exactly. <laughs> so I all hope right, that helps. You. Yes, thank you so much for your advice. Thanks a lot, Cheryl. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I started the show making the comment that uh, you know maybe we're going to have people who are going to be out in the garden right now instead of catching the show. Jay, you have to welcome to our. We put headphones on. We have an app on our phone and we carry it in our well, pocket. Exactly. And Martha in Lucky Lake texts us and says, "I take my radio out into the garden with me every Sunday morning. <laughs> exactly. I can't miss a show." And she asks us any tips on potted palms. I've put them outdoor in pots and noticed the ends turning brown and some white. Yeah, so that's a little bit of sun scald. So a lot of the palms that you want, you want to stick with a majesty palm or a cat palm. Those ones will do a lot better in the sun um, than some of like the other palms, like a bamboo palm. Um, those won't do as well in the sun. So make sure you choose the right palm for the right area. And then gradually put them into that hot sun. So start them in the shade and then gradually move them out into the sun. We have really intense heat and also nice strong winds in Saskatchewan. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) That's going to dry that plant out and it's going to desiccate the leaves a little bit too. But but you have to remember, okay, if you go to Florida or if you go to Miami or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, and you see these palms growing naturally, they have brown on the. They leaves. have brown on the end. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they do. They're just natural. I mean, it's it's. It's what the wind does to the plants. Yeah, it's just what the environment does to them. So, I mean, if you see a little bit of brown, it's not that it's dying or anything like that. Um, so might, we have to be okay with imperfection. imperfection. When you're seeing those perfect palm trees, they're just absolutely green, yeah. magnificent, perfect. 
they're probably plastic. Or, or they have a filter on them in a picture. In a picture, yeah. There's some Snapchat AI. has got a hold of them. Some AI involved in that one. Even if you go to Bouchard Gardens or yeah. you go to some other yeah. ones, you're not going to find, unless they have people in there grooming them every day, they're not going to be perfect. So exactly. you know, just, just make sure that it's not a fungal. You, know, you just want to make sure, if you're not sure, snap a picture and bring it into the garden center or you know uh, those kind of things just to make sure. And a lot of times we can just help you and put you at ease. Yeah, that's really true. Let's go to the phone lines, get one more call on before the break. Uh, waiting patiently in Wadena is Helen. Good morning, Helen. Hello. Hi there. What's you got to talk, want to talk about apple trees, right? Yes, I have. Uh, I had I planted this apple tree in preparation station about eight years ago. Yep. And it really well. That last year it was just beautiful. It had a bountiful, bountiful of apples. And this spring, the bark, I mean the the, the branches, the, the the trunk, everything turned copper color. If it turned copper color, you might have got a bit of sun skull on the bark. Is it mainly on the south side or west side? It's out in the open, like it's been there all the time. No, it, no. Is the, is the bark mainly copper on the south side, or is it all around? All around, all around. Because what what may have happened is that um, is that you, you got a bit of sun skull. Like a lot of the the plants did weird things because the snow came early this year, mm-hmm. this last winter, and and came late this last spring. And we had a lot of reflection off of the off of the snow on the bark, and then change of of change of temperatures as well. You didn't, so it just turned to copper. Yeah, so I think it just might have got a bit of a sun skull. I think it'll be okay. But it's not, you know. I've been watering it, and it hasn't sent any any new leaves out at all. Out no life, hardly at all. Okay, what you can do is I would suggest you scra- scrape with your your pruners the bark. Okay, on some of the branches, if it's green underneath, it'll still come. Okay, like I have some lindens at home that are just, the buds are alive, but they haven't budded out yet. But you can just see a few buds here and there starting to push. Uh-huh. And so some with this winter, um, I think you're just seeing that the tree has just been stalled out, but I think you'll be okay. Now, don't overwater because there's no leaves there, right? Yeah. So don't overwater right now. Uh, use your probe in the soil, like a piece of rebar or something like that. Stick it in the ground and make sure that it needs moisture. Because it, one thing, if there is, if there's an issue with it, and you keep over watering when there's no leaves on it, you'll actually make the 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 problem worse. Okay. Okay. So so don't overwater it. Um, uh, that's all I would suggest you do. If you want, you could use a product that's called um, um, Rage Rage Plus. And Rage Plus is is made by Dirt and Grow out in Winnipeg. He's a, he's a, a basically an organic fertilizer person. And Rage Plus is a, something that you use for house plants or even outdoor plants. If they're having problems, it's like giving them um, booster. Was, a booster. You know, it's it's an it's an immune booster. It's what it is, and it just helps them revive from 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 being in trouble. Uh, what what how is it spelled? It's called Rage R A G E Plus. Mm-hmm. Plus. Yep. And did you say to spray it? You can spray it on the leaves. Well, there's no leaves to spray, so no. this way you just put it into the soil. Well, I had sprayed it with that dormant earlier, you know, yep. before. That's fine. Yep, that's good. Yeah? Yep. But now, like I said, I, I think you said, you said some sun skull on it. I think you just, we'll just wait a couple, a couple weeks yet, and we'll mm-hmm. see if she pushes out of that dormancy. Okay. Okay? Okay, thank, thank you. Thanks for Helen. Yeah. Call, call Helen. Take care. Yeah, bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're gonna get back from the break and get to your texts as well. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on nine eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM. <laughs> 
Happy May long weekend, and thanks for making us part of your Sunday. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick, and this is Garden Talk. We've got lots of text to get to as well. If you've got a question for us, now's the time. one 332 8255 But we do have two hours in the show, so lots of time to get to still. Waiting patiently on the phone lines right now in Regina is Donna, who wants to talk about some tulips. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. And what's your question for us? I just want to know, our tulips are all done blooming and the leaves have all fallen off, so what is the next step we should do? So once the tulip leaves have turned yellow and died back down and you want to wait for that step, then you can cut the leaves off, kind of like what you would do to a perennial plant. But not until those leaves are all brown. Yes, okay. you want to wait till those leaves to go yellow and kind of shrivel up into the bulb. That And that means the energy has gone back into that bulb. Once you've done that, you can cut those leaves off, clean them up, and you're ready to go for and, the next And if season. you want, you can sprinkle some bulb, you know, bulb fertilizer around them or, or some bone, bone meal. meal or something like that. Okay. And okay. that'll just help because those roots are still there, okay, down there, and they're still taking up nutrients. So then that, that will just help them again to get ready for next year. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the call. Take care, Donna. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. Our first text, uh, second text today, I guess, is from B in Hudson Bay. I have a jug of corn gluten for lawns that is in a container. It's meant to be hooked up to a water hose, and it'll mix accordingly. It's nine zero zero. the numbers. Our water pressure isn't good enough to mix the way it should be. How would you mix this in a sprayer? That's kind of a complicated question. I've, ne- I've uh, never done I've, corn gluten. I've never seen corn gluten in a liquid sprayer. form, so that's interesting. I've you always don't. seen it in a, in a granular form. Right. You know? Right. In it's always been a meal, powder. In a meal, meal form, right? Right. This is one I don't know if we so, can give an answer I don't know to. If we give an, well, the spray, I mean, if it's, if it's in a liquid form, it would have all the, hopefully it would have all the, um, uh, the problem with the sp- with the sprayer, some sprayers let some of the fines go through, um, but like the like the hose end hose end uh, attachments, right? They let some of the what go through? Like the like in, when you do um, when you have fertilizers, yeah, they have salts in them and everything else. Right. So some of the stuff, it'll, the nozzles are big enough it lets go through all the particles if, inside. The particles. Yeah. So, but if I was going to put it into a sprayer, if there's particles, then it's going to plug up the end of your sprayer all the time. Right, because right? it's much finer. So otherwise. Otherwise, yeah. So green it. Okay, it's called green. So it has a, one, the one I'm looking at. Still has one at, attached. It's it's a bottle with uh, with an attachment on it. I'm not sure if he has that. He might have a different one where he has uh, another unit. You know, the one right. he attaches it to. Right. So if you're going to put it into just a regular sprayer, you might not put enough volume on with just a like a like a, a chemical sprayer. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that's just a fine mist, right? And and to use corn gluten for it to work. It has to be enough volume, and some of those hose end sprayers put out a lot of volume. They do, yeah. Okay, and I just don't think you're going to be able to put it in a sprayer. So the biggest thing I'd probably want to do then is, uh, if you want it, the best way to do it is mix it up in a, in a jug, in a barrel, yep, in a big pail, right? Put a submersible pump into it, and put your garden hose onto it. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, right. Put a submersible pump to it. Put a gar- put your put a garden hose on your submersible pump, and then go now with your with your just your hand wand, you know, or not your hand wand, or your 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 nozzle, right? Your spray nozzle. Yeah. And now go water that way. Right. I would think that the- would be for me. That's the way I would, would take would use that. I would go and do that way. Okay. So good luck to be in Hudson Bay uh, with using that uh, because of the sort of circumstances you're in. So yep. uh, this is from Barry, who's in Kindersley. Good morning. Can you please give me some quick pro tips on establishing new grass? How often to water? Does it require a, a cover of soil? Will grass seed sprout even after it dries out, or do I have to reseed it? And is there a variety best for Saskatchewan? 
So <laughs> lots of questions here. Let's start with grass seed. What kind of grass seed do you want to buy if you're seeding a lawn? Okay, for most grass lawns, if they're just a regular lawn where you got irrigation, the Canada number one mix is the is the one which is Kentucky Blues and Fescues. Okay, okay. a mixture of different Kentucky Blues and Fescues. So that's the one that pretty much everybody uses. Okay, mm-hmm. you'll see it around. Even the turf farmers are using it and everything else. But if you're in, into more a country where you don't got as much water, then you might be using a drought-resistant uh, uh, grass seed, or at least they got uh, a Western Parks, or they have a Parkland mix. You know, uh, we uh, like suggesting Earlys because they will mix the blends. Um, yeah, according to according to what, what we you need are. and according to our province and they, the different drought. They mix. Colors. They mix for golf courses. Mm-hmm. You're right. They specialize in for this. Di- you know, construction companies that are doing roads and they do the they special mix for ditches and everything else. Right. Yeah, so they're right. they're made for they do special blends for everything. And so, um, but otherwise, if you just need a little bit, I mean, you can get a drought drought mix, or you can get a dry, you know, like a. Uh, 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 sun shade mix, or you can get a shade mix for if you got just shady areas. You know, so know all, the exposure of your area and know how you're going to water this yep. area. So that's number one what you yep. have to do. Okay, exactly. So then when you're going to go lay this down, you got your your soils all laid out nice and and yep. even and level yep. and everything like that. Then you can just basically what you can do is you can just, uh, spread your grass around. Okay, grass seed around. Seed around yep. and then just take a, a garden rake. And just rake it so that you're scarifying the soil and sort of getting it attached, that grass seed attached to the soil. Okay. Okay. And then after that, if you want, you if you've got a really hot spot, you're not going to be around all the time, you can put a layer of peat moss over top of it. Okay. Or you can put the, that white fabric over top that we use for um, um, basically for, for shading um, shading the plants or, or keeping the frost off of plants and those kind of things. It's, it's basically a frost blanket or, or a crop cover. And when you start a new lawn, I mean, you have to be home for that little while because yep. you're going to want to yep. be watering that thing pretty often. You need to keep right? the soil moist. You need to keep yeah, the soil moist. W- when the seed's straight down, it's not as critical. But as soon as that seed germinates, right. okay, and it's just a tiny little hair sticking out of the ground that you can barely see, yep. and you let it go dry, that little hair is going to... There's no roots going down very far. Okay, so am I it's putting my die. seed down and then am I adding fertilizer at the same time or am I waiting for it to come up and then adding fertilizer? You could add the fertilizer at the same time as long okay. as your nitrogen is not higher than 16. Okay. Okay, okay. perfect. We better stop right there. We've got, uh, looks like maybe a couple calls so that's rolling a nit- in. That's a nitrogen of 16, okay? Nitrogen first, 16. The first number. Okay, perfect. Okay. We're going to get to Linda's text from Regina. Uh, we're going to talk about Donna's from Regina as well. Uh, who else do we have here? Bryce's text and Mark from Briarcrest. So lots of texts still rolling in. And the calls, one 332 8255 News update for everybody right now. We're back with lots more right after this. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980CJME and 6 CKOM. The long weekend is here. A bit of a smoky start around the province yesterday, but things are looking better today, and the forecast is for not as much smoke, which is good. The, the plus side of that smoke is that it, uh, when you put in your bedding plants out, it makes it, it filters the sunlight so that you're not getting, uh, you know, like the hot, hot sun on them. Yeah. Well, even we were building a deck right. yesterday and got it done, but it was nice because it was warm. But it wasn't yep. like so sweltering hot, getting a sunburn kind of yep. heat. It's just, I appreciate it's that better, part of it. <laughs> better than 31 and, you know, no wind and sunny and hot. and yeah. Right? 
Yeah. And uh, I just think I'm just grateful that I'm down here and not up north right now. And the work that the firefighters are doing up mm-hmm. there right now, yeah. I just I yep. can't even imagine. So no I'm, kidding. I'm grateful to be able to garden a little bit of smoke, I guess. No doubt. No doubt. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we've got uh, lots coming up for you here. We've got a couple calls on the line. We're going to get to Bill's call in a moment. But waiting longest here is Shannon, who's in Regina, wants to talk about an apple tree. Hi there, Shannon. Hi, Shannon. Oh, hi. Um, I have a hybrid uh, apple tree that I got for Mother's Day three or four years ago. Yep. The uh, original... Um, trunk, I guess, is pretty much dead. The grass all died. Um, now it's shooting up branches from the base. Yep. It's growing more like a bush yep. than a tree. Um, I'm assuming it's a crab apple now. That's correct. Yeah, it'll be. It would come from the base, and so you're just gonna have a little crab apple, like a wild crab apple. There'll be more of a sour taste to them. You know, you can still make jams or jellies out of it. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, you're, you're not going to get that nice, sweet tasting apple that you wanted. Right. So otherwise you just right. got to remove that tree and plant a new one if you want one, or if you just want a tree and it's, it's, it'll be fine, but it'll grow multiple stem, right? And but yeah, you, okay. you could trim it up to one stem if you want to. Okay. Okay. And, uh, but like I said, you, you're not going to get a tree with the purpose that you wanted. So okay. you could pick just one stem, cut all the rest down, then grow that into the tree. Grow that into pick, a tree. Pick the best one, basically. Yep. That's yeah. exactly. Okay, perfect. All okay. right. Well, thank you so much. You're Thanks, Shannon. Take care. one 332 8255 Happy long weekend. And we're going to Regina again to talk to Bill about radishes. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question is uh, I've, I'm having trouble growing radish. Uh this started about three years ago, and every year I try and nothing happens. The The roots just go straight down. They don't form a ball. They go down like a carrot, I guess. Okay. Okay, well, there's a but few... I don't know what the problem is, and my neighbors are having the same problem. There's a few tips with radish. Radish are usually a cold... Um cold tolerant crop they like it a little bit cooler and they also like it when the soil is about six inches down they like it when the soil is nice and soft so get in there and work your soil where you're going to put the radishes don't put them in hard soil no they don't and the other thing that they don't like is they don't like drought at all so you have to make sure because what they're going to do is if they are struggling to get the water they're going to send those roots down to try Deep. and search oh, for water, oh, okay? So you yeah. want to keep them, keep not soaking wet, but you want to keep that soil moist, and that's yes. going to help your radish. Consistent take. moist, just mm-hmm. like all your vegetables, right? It can't be yeah. wet, dry, yeah. wet, dry, wet, dry. So those oh. are kind of the tips with radish. Um, if Otherwise, you're going to get like really hard woody radishes, or yeah. they're going to be long and, and slender, but work up that soil about six inches, make sure it's nice and soft. Um, I yes. usually will plant some of my uh, taller crops nearby it so it can shade it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is just keeping them consistently moist. Another thing to remember, even lettuce and, and also radishes, is that when you, you decide you're going to put, let's say, five or six feet or ten feet of ra- row of radish in, okay? Yeah. Divide it up into three. So, you know, first of all, plant three feet of radishes, yeah. and yeah. wait a week, plant another three feet of radishes, wait a week, and plant another three feet of radishes. And same okay. with lettuce. So okay. that you always will have fresher radishes yes. as you go into the season. You're not getting all at the same time. And then your last batch turns, you know, before you harvest it is really woody as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Okay, I have one more yep. uh, uh a statement I'd like to make. I have a, Chris, a Christmas cactus that I inherited from my mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's at least 
65 years old. Awesome. That's great. And this spring, a few months ago, it was really looking sickly. And I was afraid I was going to lose it. However, I uh, uh, took it out of the pot, uh, took the dirt out of uh, the best that I could, and then I put new cactus soil in there and gave it fertilizer, and it uh, it's come back. Oh, good. Yep. Perfect. I, I, <laughs> so, yeah, that's the number one thing that happens is they get root-bound. Um, so yeah. taking it out, repotting it, giving it yeah. some food, that's a, that's a really yep. good way to rejuvenate it for sure. And, and also what you should be doing too is like they, they propagate really easy. So what you should do is you take some little take some little cuttings off the ends and just stick them into the top of some cactus soil mix on another pot. Yeah. And then you can start another plant just in case something happens, you still have the babies of that one tree, that uh, the plant that you can keep moving on. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Rick, that's exactly what I'm doing. Good. I've got two, two babies uh, started. Good. And I want to do more, and I'm just going to give these away. Yeah, yeah wouldn't it be fun to, it's an it's a heirloom plant, so maybe just yes. pass it on to some other people. Yeah, family, family members family that members it matters members, to yeah. would be really yeah. cool, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's my intentions with the this Christmas it. cactus. Oh, that's perfect. So it's it's a Christmas cactus that was bought in the '60s. Sometime is what you're saying, right? Uh, let's it's see. I'm 65. going back. Uh, yes, yeah, probably early '60s. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. That's cool. Yeah, there's yeah. lots of those stories of those Christmas cactuses. They last a long time, long time, and a lot of times they get handed down from generation to generation. Very cool. So thank you yeah. for that story. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you one more question? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, leave it. Uh, begonias. I uh, was always under the impression that they were a shade plant. They are. There's a couple of varieties, the Salonia begonia and the dragwing begonia. Those ones are sun varieties, but the majority uh, of begonias are shade or, varieties. Or partial shade. Yeah. Not yeah. Full shade. Well, that's, that's exactly the thing. I went to a couple of garden centers uh, this, uh, just uh, we, uh, sh- uh, shortly, and uh, the tag says full sun. Mm, yep. It could be that they were mislabeled too, because that does happen in the garden center. I know that sometimes a a shade label all of a sudden walk by and be like, "Why is that on that plant?" It's well, that's a full sun plant. So sometimes yep. things can get mislabeled, but there is they, they can f- be in full sun on let's see on the east side of the house where it'll get full sun for the whole morning, but then oh, we yeah. just get the hot afternoon sun. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. like bright light, but they like bright indirect light. So as long as it's that bright, uh, not yeah. intense yeah. afternoon sun. They'll be fine. But there is a couple varieties of begonias. Uh, like I said, the dragon wings and the Salonia begonias. And we're coming out with a few more varieties. And I'm excited for them to introduce those to Canada coming up soon. But uh, so okay. keep an eye out for those sun begonias. Yeah. Okay. Good. I really enjoy your show. Thank oh, you. Thanks. Thanks for the call today, Bill. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. Thank T- you. Take Bye. care. one 332 We're going to keep going with the phone lines because Mike is in Saskatoon right now. And he's got a poplar tree issue. Hi there, Mike. Hi. See, uh, my poplar trees, uh, mature trees and uh, the new uh, three, four-year-old ones alike, from the bottom uh, where the branches start uh, to about four feet up, I got a lot of dead branches. Uh, What's uh, happening with that? The dead branches could be from a numerous type of things. One, it could be drought, okay, because we've had drought with them. The Uh other ones could be aphids. And the aphids usually will suck on on the needles, and also, or it could be, uh, and you get sometimes get a gall on them. Uh, another one could be most time it's most time it's insect related or drought related. Okay, 
and uh-huh. and sometimes if you've got other plants around them, it just has to be what they're they're that's just what the if you ever go into the forest, you know the trees are where the light is at the top that's where all the growth is, and at the bottom they just sort of slowly you know die out and and you have dead branches on the bottom so that's sort of a a natural thing, so I know that even in my in my shelter belts at the nursery i mean yeah. The, the lower branches, I mean, up about six, eight feet tall, they kind of died off and we cut them off, you know. Um, uh-huh. And usually it's not a big deal because the bottom ones, um, you know, they're usually in the way anyways of equipment or walking or whatever, right? And so mm-hmm. um, so a lot of times it's a natural thing, but a lot of things, those natural things are because of either insects or drought. Yeah, look, there is a fair bit of aphids, aphids around. Yep. So it's just a ma- just a matter of introducing if you want to do it organic way and introducing ladybugs in there, uh, you can get ladybugs. I have different- lots of ladybugs yep. in my yard this year. Yep, ladybugs or praying mantis works really good for for sh- they only live for this for the summer, but they eat a lot of bugs. Uh, otherwise, or otherwise, you get into a, a spray routine and spraying those bottom ones, or even just blasting with cold water. Aphids don't like that either. You know, no, so they don't. I, no, yep. they don't. I noticed they come right off of that. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we'll check that out. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're back after the break. We're going to the text line next. That's what's happening. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. All right. It's the long weekend. We're listening to Garden Talk and, and having some fun. And, uh, you know, hope you're enjoying your, your long weekend. I know a lot of people are getting into the garden, they're getting the plants in, they're getting the vegetables in. That's like a big thing happening this weekend, right? I have to give a a huge shout out, though. Yesterday and Friday and all week, it's been so, so busy at the store. And I feel like my growers, all the greenhouse workers have been working so hard to keep getting plants and to fill them up. And I walked to the greenhouse yesterday and I took some pictures and we had so many empty shelves. (laughs) And I called my growers and I was like almost crying. I'm like, I need plants for tomorrow. Two trucks showed up on my doorstep this This morning morning. and my staff all came in early to get the watering done and unloading. And I just got a text saying they're almost finished unloading truck number two. They have been working so hard this morning. (laughs) And and that's greenhouses right across Saskatchewan. You you remember they're, they're out there Early, early in the morning. This is harvest season (laughs) for us, and And, I just appreciate them, the hard work and the diligence, and they they still all have a smile on their face at the end of the day. That's pretty cool. Uh, Okay, let's go to our text line, 1-877-332-8255. Linda is in Regina. She says the lawn has brown patches along the sidewalk. I can just pull the dead grass out so easily it comes up in clumps. Is it best to overseed and find or find a piece of sod? And then what was the, what's the best way to overseed? I tried the easy seed in places the last year, uh, in the same, t- in the same spot, especially beside the sidewalk. The rest of the lawn is great, but how do I remedy this? Okay. So basically you can do two things. One is if it's right along the sidewalk, it's probably from salt or something like that. Okay. Yeah. If it's right beside the sidewalk, it 99% of the time it's from, you know, the salts we use in the, on the, on the side, on the, on the sidewalk for ice. And so what you can do is this, I would suggest you can do is you can just dig a little patch out there, replace the soil, mm-hmm. or you can leach the soil out, okay? But you just can't put seed on top of it. You have to di- leach it out first. You have to water it so that it gets rid of whatever contaminants are there, mm, okay? Okay. And then you can then you can put a little, scalp it down with your lawnmower, like really low. Yep. Put a little thin layer of soil on there, mm-hmm. like lawn soil and bags if you need a little bit, or you can get bulk, you can get screen topsoil, and you can put some on there and then just put seed on top of that 
five to seven days later, it'll start coming up. Right. Okay. okay it'll be quick, especially with this kind of heat. It'll yeah. come quick. I, I oh, noticed... And you can use sod. I mean, we, we got rolls of sod. We sell pallets of sod at the garden center for people that are fixing dog spots and patches because they don't want to do the seed thing. They just yeah. want to cut it out and get it done. Well, that's right. a good idea too, right? I mean, so if you're just looking for actually the easier, it, quicker fix. If it's little strips or patches, then you can do the quick fix of sod. But if it's you know snow mold and big patches, yep. then you're just gonna you're gonna throw a little bit of soil on top, a little thin layer of soil, and gra- and seed it. Right. You know, I noticed a lot of places in my yard that have the dead spots. Yep. My dog wasn't on the lawn all winter. We we fence it off so he's in a yep. in a gravel area. Yep. Can't get on the lawn. But the lawn still has dead patches, and where I notice it's dead is where the snow got shoveled on top of, so yep. where it got packed down, packed down. Really, so I could shovel off my deck and throw it over the railing, yep. and then those big piles on the other side, that's where most of the dead stuff is. Yep. Or where, in the spring, we had melt, yep. and it melted in, away. The stuff under the big piles of snow uh, the the fluffy snow was good, but it melted away near the house quickly. Yep. Right, and that's where I've got dead grass, yeah. so or ex- or in the front yard where exact it got piled. same story yeah. as mine. Yeah. Yep. It's like I can see almost like a pattern on my lawn right now yep. of where it was uncovered in the spring by the time we had some melt going on, yep. mm-hmm. and where it would have gotten like frost damage, you yep. know, from yep. being uncovered in the spring. Mine's a nice really cool, L so. shape all the way around the edge of my yep. lawn. Right. Exactly. Yep. So. That's kind of where you see that. So a couple couple yep. ideas there, Linda. Uh, let's go to the text line here again. Uh, this is not sure who it's from, but any tips to getting grass to grow under pine trees? It's a shady area, lots of needles in the ground, which I assume is causing acidity in the soil. Anything to counteract that? Um, got, are there got, different varieties? i got a great solution for you. Yep. It's called mulch <laughs> and a pot with some flowers. Yeah. yeah. So the Gra- abs- grass yeah. is hard to grow under there, not yeah. necessarily because of acidity. It's also because the roots are so shallow on an evergreen tree. It's going to take all the moisture and out of that. Look at this big tree, how much moisture it sucks. Okay. Right. So you plant a plant in there and you put some nice new soil mm-hmm. and you start watering and fertilizing it. This big, this big 30 foot spruce tree is going to say, oh my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and all the roots are going to go to the surface and suck the moisture yeah. out of that grass, and the grass is going to die. Plus, it's yeah. shady. Yeah. It's really shady yeah. underneath, right? No, it's it's yeah. Mulch go into go into a forest, you know, like an old old growth forest. There's nothing growing. No, the there is nothing. There's right? no grass. There's it's, no grass. It's dirt and needles yeah. and the odd so, weed. And that's yeah, it. So that's why you just mulch it. That, and then I like putting mulch because then all the needles can you kind of work into the mulch, you know? Yeah. And then put some pots on there because then the roots won't grow into the pots and put some flowers in some there. Some nice coleus, some begonias, some impatience underneath there. And you'll be set day. to go. Uh, next text is Donna's in Regina. I think we answered this earlier with another text or call we had, but basically how to care for tulips after they're done blooming when they're mm. everything's all dried out and withered away. Flower. Yeah, you- let everything die back down to the bulb first, yep. and then you can cut them back, and then you can either use yep. some alfalfa pellet, and tea, best, water that yep. in, or some bone Yeah, exactly, meal. and try to do that when, as soon as the flowers are done, mm-hmm. okay? Start giving some fertilizer, Yeah, and even when the leaves are still green, because okay. then they'll help them to take and more energy. And you'll find that sometimes the, mul- the bulbs will multiply over time, Exactly. Too. All right. Uh, Cindy's uh, around Saskatoon, rural area around Saskatoon, yep. says, Hi, everybody. We moved a small Juliet cherry tree to a better location last spring. Now there's a little cherry tree growing in the original spot. Yep, of course. Will this be a viable cherry tree? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. They're, they're on their own roots, and they sucker, and they'll still have the same cherries on them, right? Okay. So they just, they, when they dug it out, they left some of the root down there, and now it's growing. 
So I guess Cindy can either keep it there yep. or like you move the tree in the first place. So maybe you don't want a tree there, yep. but so wait, you until, do. wait till next spring. Yeah. Cause it's leafed out that new one by now. Right. So wait till next spring and then you can move that one again. Again. You can have two trees, okay. two for the price of one. Excellent. Uh, this is Bryce. I think we have time. Uh, you know what? We're going to save this because we're running out of time right now. We're going to get to Bryce's text. We're going to get to Mark and Briarcrest, Irene in Martinsville, Lorna in Grandora, uh, Mo, who's out in Regina Beach, and so many more after that, after the break. So stick with us and join the conversation. one 332 8255 You're listening to Garden Talk on the long weekend. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is 650CKOM and 980CJME. It is the long weekend here on Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. Hope you're having a great long weekend. Still another day to go. That's the best part is that, you know, normally Sunday, it's kind of our last day of the weekend. Another one to go, which is great to get some of that uh, outdoor work done, the cleanup, the garden into the all the vegetables, plants, the planters, the flowers. What are some of the things that we should be doing, though? We like I've noticed some plants aren't ready to go outside right from the greenhouse, right? This is a great this is a great example. I did this the other night on Thursday night. I was like, okay, I want to get my garden in. So I planted my garden in and I brought my stuff out and I did exactly what I told people not to not do. Because <laughs> I was so excited and uh, I put my garden in without hardening my plants off. Did and the same thing. You did the same thing. Yep. So with my herbs. It's gonna set them back. So Instead of putting them out during the day, bringing them in at night, getting them acclimatized, I put them right into my garden. The next day I came out, um, a few of them had some black tips on them, mm-hmm. uh, looking a little bit wilted. My, my head white leaves on the bottom of my herbs. Yeah, so yep. that's what's going to happen. So then yep. what I had to go do in turn is I had to go through and just prune some of my, my vegetables and my plants, get those leaves off. It's going to set those plants back. So instead of doing that... And setting them back, what you're going to do is put them out during the day, bring them in at night, and do that about three or four days, then plant them in your garden. Right. Um, so I and, know. And don't put them into the bright, bright, hot, hot sun, sun when you put them outside. It's going to take right? some willpower because I just wanted to get it done and I was so excited. I'm like, let's just get it done. Yep. But you know what? I should have just done the process that I tell everybody to do and then I wouldn't have set them back. So my plants are now going to be set back about a week or two. Right. Yeah. So, I should have just put a burlap. You know, put some stakes in, tie some burlap, and put a shade against them for a few days. We'll right. call it, I was you know? experimenting. Right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was experimenting. You're I testing just, your own I was advice. Home, <laughs> I was coming home later at nighttime, and I just wanted to get them in, and because uh, I don't have time right now. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Done. Well, I made the mistake of putting my uh, one of my plants out that we saved all uh Winter. Okay. I'm losing the name of it One now. One of your coleus? Or? No, uh, the trumpet flowers. Oh, um, Datura? Datura. No. Um, um, Mandevilla. It's a very tropical thing. What's it called? <laughs> Diplodinia. No, that's not it either. <laughs> a hibiscus. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> we'll get it eventually. I know all the plants you have, Jay. <laughs> hibiscus. So we have, have saved a hibiscus over the winter. Yep. We've stuck it out on the deck a few times, but now it's got lots of white leaves on it. Yeah, burn. so it's sunburn, sunburn, right? Yep. Not all of them went white, so we've kind of been putting it out, out, back in, out, back in. But it, yep. but the problem is, we put it on the deck and it faces south, and it should have been right up against the house, kind of underneath the underneath the, canopy. the canopy that we have. Yep. Uh, so that was kind of our mistake, which is frustrating because we managed to save this stupid thing the whole winter. I got one flower on it earlier this spring, but it hasn't flowered yet. So I've trimmed it, 
Is that good? That's perfect. That's what you're supposed to do with hibiscus. Trim them and you're going to get lots of new growth. But now the leaves have gone a little bit white. Yeah, and fertilize the hibiscus with an organic fertilizer. They like that better than the synthetic fertilizer. Mm, Okay, perfect. Uh, Let's go to our phone lines because out in Battleford, Ken is waiting patiently and he wants to talk about a money tree. Hi there, Ken. Yeah, hi. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering, I I would like to plant a a climbing rose or a ramblin' rose. Yep. Uh, that don't kill in the winter, eh? And yep. it, it, it doesn't matter if it's climbed all over the place where I'm putting it, eh? Yeah, okay. So what, what variety? What best rose? I'll tell you, there's three, th- basically three ones, three varieties that do well, okay? Pardon me? There's three varieties, so you just have to remember this. One, number one, is called John Cabot. Okay, John Cabot is a, is a really prickly one, though. See, but the, all these ones you have to tie to your trellis, okay? The other one is John Davis. John Davis. And the other one is Felix Lecure. And they're all pink. Okay? Uh, they're all pink. And what is the sermon? Felix Lecure. Uh, Felix Lecure. Oh, Felix. Hey. Just say Felix, and people will know what you mean when you go to the garden. Felix, yep. Yeah. Okay. With, and, and those three are the hardy ones, and they'll be fine. Okay? That's the John Cabot. John Davis. And John Davis. Yeah, and Felix Lecure. Okay. Okay. You you say you uh, carry them all, yeah. Okay, yeah. Most garden centers will carry those ones because they are hardy and they are a, a more of they'll grow around six to eight, seven to eight feet tall. But you need to attach them. They don't have clingers like a like a Virginia creeper does that'll hook onto a, a trellis themselves. They usually actually have to use a soft tie and tie them onto a, a trellis or a wall, and then uh, and then enjoy them that way. And they don't freeze down, eh? Don't freeze down. Yeah. You do good. You do want to do some trimming on your roses, as always, yep. every year. So make sure you get some nice rose gloves and, and go in there and you're trimming. On, they bloom on new wood, so you want to do a bit of pruning on them every year, every spring, every early spring in March. Cut the them first. back about a third. Yep. Okay. Okay. And the other question was, uh, I got a Chinese money plant, the house one, eh? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I like the kind of, it's not, it grows about six inches, and that's all it stays. I see some places, uh, bigger ones, is a uh, Fertilizer they can use or something different? Yeah, just use a houseplant fertilizer. There's a really good one um, by uh, Schultz. Schultz that you can get, and you just put the drops in the water every time. Seven drops per liter of water. Which, water? Which, which one is that? It's called Schultz Schultz's. Plant Food. Yep, plant food. Schultz. Yep. Schultz. And uh, just watch your watering. They like to dry out a little bit between watering, and don't put them in too big of a pot too quickly. That's the other key to success with them, too. They tend to like to be a little bit more root-bound. Oh, Thank you. Okay. Very good. I'm glad you're on the air again. No, okay. thanks. Thanks very much, Ken. Take care. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to go to our text line right now. we got a few few minutes to get that in before the break. Uh, Bryce says, good morning. I'm a first-time homeowner with my first lawn. That's okay. great, Bryce. Perfect. Good for you. Looking for any suggestions on taking care of dandelions that are taking over the grass. If I spray something, I don't want to kill the grass, and I don't want to put holes everywhere. Yep. So. Use what the, the, a lot of people can either there's, there's one products out there like Kellex or there's another one called Weed Be Gone, which is an iron product and it doesn't kill the grass but it kills the weeds. Uh, uh, what you can do also is just keep your 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 lawn yeah. mowed right and keep the flowers off the best you can, but they get the flowers get shorter and shorter to the ground. And then, but you can also use when they go to f- seed, okay, which the flowers are going to go to seed here in the next few days. Mm-hmm. You can put corn gluten down. It's called a, basically a bio weed and feed. It comes in a fer- like a fertilizer bag, yep. and you spread it out, but it'll tell you the directions on it, and it'll say this bag will do so many square feet. 
You have to go by the instructions or it doesn't hurt to go stronger, but it doesn't work if you go less. Right. Okay, all you're doing is fertilizing the lawn. And what it does is a pre-emergent, and so those weed seeds that come from your neighbor's yard or wherever, or your yard, it stops them from germinating. So you can use the stuff uh, called bio-weed and feed, corn gluten is, is the ingredient, and you can use it on the lawn, you can use it in the, fl- in, in the flower beds, but you cannot use it in the garden because it'll stop your carrots from, se- from germinating as right, well. Right, Okay. And I- the other thing that I have is a little dandelion fork, and I keep that right with my lawnmower, and as I go around, yep. and I just go through and I fork them out with the dandelion fork and get rid of the, the plant, which is usually the problem. And yep. I, if I'm doing that every, like twice a week... Kind of just a little therapy. Yeah, you know, I and I, I gotta say that I the original old Killex works pretty good on on those weeds it without does. without killing your lawn, without killing doesn't, your grass. Doesn't hurt. The, doesn't hurt the grass. Hurt the grass. Uh, now, Roundup, the original Roundup, will kill everything. Yeah, don't, okay? so don't, don't do that. that. But the Killex, it's green and, and yellow. And what bottle. I'm telling people is that you don't need to take Killex and go and spray. No, no, everything. no, 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 not just at all. Go and just take a spritzer bottle, right? Yep, and just. Spray the weed itself. You can buy the ones that have yep. a jug with a built-in spray handle. Yep. It's got a little battery-powered pump yep. in it. And all you do is detach it. It's got a little hose, little spritz on each, little... And, and, honestly, and that's just, it. Honestly, just a little spritz. You don't have to go... You've been hanging out with my son a little too much, I think. <laughs> just a little spritz. That's all it takes. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And, and it works. It works well for yeah. that, okay? Uh, let's go to the next text. We've got a few phone lines ringing right now. We'll get some more phone calls on shortly. Uh, Marcus and Briarcrest, I've got a few 10-year-old Saskatoon bushes. All the berries are being produced out of reach. Can I and would I cut them back so production can be harvested? Yeah, too late now, though. Okay, too late. Major pruning you want to do in, in March or the first week of April. Mm, before we okay. got leaves, right? But now we got leaves and actually flowers coming out. Mm, yes. Right? Okay. So right now, all the Saskatoons, all the ch- choke cherries in front of me out on the riverbank here are in full bloom right now. It's yep. leaf, and the Saskatoons around our lake are out in full bloom right now. If so they you, wanted to do it, they would I'll, just lose the crop this year. Yeah, you'll lose a crop. Well, it's also not because the saps are moving up yeah, like crazy right now. It's not right the now, best idea. Right, because all the new leaves are coming out. So, just, so if you want to give it a more pruning, wait till you, even the fall is fine on those. Right. Okay? And how far could you prune those down? A third. A third. A third, a third down. Third, you, sometimes you can get away with half too. Okay. Um, but uh, what's healthier for the tree is a third. Okay. okay. So for this year, Mark, uh, it's a ladder. And then next year, yeah, bring it down yep. by at least a third yep. and you'll be okay. You could get the flowers... Yep. Blooming lower, and then you'll get the fruit lower as well. I've taken down half, but you know, like I said, it's healthier for a third. Okay, more texts to come, and looks like phone calls are rolling in. We're going to get back with all that in just a moment. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. You're having a wonderful May long weekend. Welcome back to Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick, and we've got some calls to get to. So hang on, Bob and Brian. We got Jackie up here first, who's been waiting the longest, and Jackie wants to talk to about <coughs> potatoes and tomatoes, right, Jackie? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show. What's your question? Yes, I wonder what is the best depth to plant potatoes. But potatoes, what you don't want to go too deep. About ten inches. Yeah, about eight maybe. To 10. Eight to ten inches, because you want to be able to heal them up, right? Right. That, that's where they'll do the best is healing up. So not too deep where you get into the hard soils, mm-hmm. right? A little bit lower down and then start mounding them up to so that they grow all the potatoes up in the mound rather than in deep in the ground. Okay, so eight to ten inches. Yep, maximum. 
Okay. Max. Maximum. I'd say I'd say more eight inches, not or or even six inches. Yeah, okay. and then you're right? gonna hill on top of that. And then you're gonna hill once they start coming up. Yes. Okay. Okay. And my and my other question is about uh, planting tomatoes. Someone I know um, plants the tomato root just under the surface, but horizontal to the ground. Correct. And even some of the stem goes under the ground a bit. That's correct. Yeah, that's called trenching tomatoes. So if you want to look that up online, look up trenching of your tomatoes, and you can actually take those bottom leaves off and plant your stem horizontal, almost right up to the second set of top leaves, okay. and your plant's going to get roots all along that stem. And if you look at the stem, you actually see little bumps along the stem, and those are air roots forming. Okay. And your plant's going to soak up more nutrients and more water that way if you if you trench them like that. Yep. Okay, so that's how you would do it? That's uh, how I do perfect. it. Perfect. Okay, then that's all I have to ask then. Okay. Thanks, Jackie. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. My father-in-law is growing upside-down tomatoes this year. Hey, there you go. He's got a five-gallon pail. Yep. Hole in the bottom. Hole in the bottom. And hold put the... And holes inside even, too. Yep. Yep. And put the, pl- the... All full of soil, but the plant comes out the bottom. Yep. And grows downwards. You ever seen that happen? There, there's po- there's actually planters that you can buy that are for upside-down tomatoes. <laughs> and and they, just, they just hang there? Yeah, hang but there. you want to make sure you choose a determinant variety if you're doing that. Yes. Not an indeterminate variety, because those require staking and pruning. Um, if you do an indeterminate variety, and so they're just going to be vining everywhere. So choose a determinate variety of tomato um, that's going to stay a little bit more compact when you're doing that. Well, I hope that's what he did. We'll, we'll find out. It's a bit of an experiment this year. Uh, over to Brian's call, who is in Saskatoon. And it's another tomato question. Hi there, Brian. Morning, guys. Hey, uh, I bought some calcium for my tomatoes. It's a crystal type form. You mix it. And I think he added it says six or eight ounces per plant. Okay. Now, I was wondering if I plant some green beans and some cucumbers, if they benefit from calcium as well. And Absolutely. how often I should uh, apply that? Yeah, probably once every three weeks you could do it with that liquid calcium. And uh, so, but you can it can apply for all your vegetables, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Great. Spe- well, spe- guys- especially your cucumbers and and pumpkins, melons. Actually, love the calcium. Thanks a lot. Okay. All right. Thanks, Brian. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We'll just keep rolling through here. Go to uh, Regina and talk to Bob about some bugs in the house. Hi there, Bob. Yeah. Good morning. I got a question on these red and black bugs that crawl on the walls of the house during the heat, yep. warm day, and yep. on fences. Maple bugs. Pardon me? Maple, Maple bugs. Okay. Any thoughts of how to kill them? Because we got so many of them. Yeah. Um, basically a pyrethrin. You can use, you can spray it. It's called, sp- another name for it is spider band. You can use it to kill spiders, other crawling insects on your, on your, on your, um, on the side of your house. Or you can take a, I, I've had so many of them. In fact, I just pulled a piece of siding off, and it was just all of a sudden, everything just it just fell down like oh, oh my gosh, a bunch of them. And uh, and uh, but otherwise, you can use a, like I said a, a shop vac too, and just vacuum them up and throw them away. Okay. Uh, I've done that too. So, but you can use uh, there's Doctor Doom, which is a pyrethrin. You can spray. It can get the the agriculture one, which is in a brown can, or you can get the yellow can as well. And you can spray it along the foundation. As soon as they crawl across it, it affects their nervous system and and basically falls down. Okay. And wow. but if you put it on any siding, any anything you put on your siding, always go to a corner first of all, spray it, and let it dry, see if it discolors it first. Okay. Okay. Don't just mm-hmm. go and spray, but you can do it on the like I do it on the foundation on the concrete part. 
mm-hmm. right? And then that that way you'll you'll be able to yeah, get re- them under control. Really do a spot test too. I've actually had quite a few people call, um, let me know that it did discolor. Discolor, so, yeah. So you don't want to do that on your nice, especially a nice hot area. Yeah. So watch that. Okay. Okay. So Spider Ben or Doctor Doom or Doctor Doom. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Take care, Bob. Have, have a great day. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's keep going. We got another call to go to in Prince Albert. Joe is joining us. Talked about our red berry elder. Hi there, Joe. Good morning. Well, I'm thinking it's a red berry elder. It has those little red berries that grow like grapes in clumps. Yep. Green leaves. Uh, yes. Green long, leaves. long leaves and they're serrated on the edges. Yes, that's yep. right. Okay. Yeah. Yep, red elder. So I, I took this tree out. It was an old, well, it was maybe about six feet high. It grew really irregular. Yep. Um, so I cut it right down. I took it right out. Yep. And now it's coming back up again. Yep. So I was hoping that I might be able to influence the shape of it. It's growing like a bush. Yep. Uh, can I start to trim that? Absolutely. Especially the new growth. You can trim it all you want. Oh. Now okay. you got to remember, one thing you do is that you notice the... the Red elders have a long stem, and then they, the leaves, couple leaves come out, and a long stem and a couple leaves. So if okay. you trim it, trim it just above those set of leaves. Above the set of leaves, okay. Yep. What I'm wanting to do is encourage it to grow tall as opposed to bush-like. Yep, not, not a problem. Okay, so I can trim, you know, sort of, how would you say, leave more of the center and just trim right down all the way around it to yep. make it a little... That would work. That would work. No problem. All right. Thanks, guys. You bet. Thanks, Joe. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm. I'm. We're. Uh, Rick's just. Uh, <laughs> he's got his voice back this week, but only just barely. Right. Remember yeah. last week, Rick had no voice, so he's uh, got a tickle in his throat. Yeah, tickle in my throat. <laughs> oh. We're gonna keep going with some of our text texts here. Uh, Sandra in. Oh, sorry. We're gonna go with this one first. It is Mo in Regina, uh, starting a second raised garden in a different area. So already has one. Just rototilled the new area. It was you know just basic soil on the ground there. What type of soil and nutrients and additives would you suggest for this raised garden bed? Do you want peat moss, manure, any kind of special dirt, alfalfa pellets, and how deep should it be? Regina Beach uh, Mo's there right now. So I would try and make sure I have a raised bed at least twelve to fourteen inches deep um, to start off with. And I like using a triple mix, which is topsoil, peat moss, and manure or topsoil, peat moss, and compost um, mixture. And do about a third, a third, a third with with that mixture. Um, That would be the best thing to do. You can work some alfalfa pellets into the top if you want to. It's going to work almost like a slow release fertilizer. Um, It's going to give you some added nutrients. And then you can also just fertilize your plant with just uh, your plants with an additional fertilizer um, along with that. Now, if you're doing any ground crops, such as uh, beets, um, potatoes, those types of things in those raised beds, just remember that those don't like a lot of that organic matter. So mm-hmm. maybe leave that side of the garden a little bit heavier with the with the topsoil. Okay, perfect. So that's for Mo there. Uh, Sandra is in Regina and just received my first orchid plant for Mother's Day. We'd like to rec- recommendations on how to take care of it. Oh, Jay, you're the expert on the orchids. Uh, yeah, just, we got <laughs> but, one minute to go. Okay, so make it simple, right? Make it simple. You want to make sure you give them bright, indirect light. Mm-hmm. So a nice, bright south or west-facing window is really good, or an east-facing window closer to the light. Right. Um, you want to make sure that you're bottom-watering them or taking them to the sink and doing a thorough watering. Right. 
they usually come in peat moss. A lot of times they do, right? In like sphagnum moss, yeah. right? So if they if they come in that moss, pull the moss out, buy some. Uh, there's any any place you can get the the orchid, orchid bark, mix. bark mix, right? So pull and you that moss do out that after they're finished blooming. Right. So if so it's blooming, don't do that. While they're blooming, you want to leave them alone. Do that after they're finished blooming, and then the other key to success is make sure you grab a container of some orchid food, and you're fertilizing them as you're watering. Them. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So not don't worry about the old ice cube trick. It doesn't really work. Soak the whole thing. Let it all drip and drain out of the pot. Then it can go back into its, say, ceramic pot. So it's all nice and moist, but not soaking in water. Okay, we got to take a break. News update for everybody right now. Then all kinds of texts when we get back. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Thanks for joining us in the long weekend here on Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. Uh, a lot of people doing a lot of fun things. I was driving around on, I think it was Friday, I had a day off from work, and I was like, wow, look at a boat goes by, another boat, there's a camper going down the road. It was like, yep, opening that cabin Summer up. Summer activity has begun. Oh, I love it. It's great. I, I, uh, I am frustrated in the province we live in because we wait so long for the good stuff, you know? Summer is a short thing here. It just means yep. we enjoy it thoroughly but when it happens. But we do. We do. It becomes yeah. really exciting, you know? Uh, let's go to the text line. one 332 8255 Uh, let's go to this one. Julie in Battleford. Cherry trees loaded with blossoms, but not many leaves. Is that a concern? Sometimes the cherries will bloom uh, before the leaves come out. So just make sure that you watch, probe the soil. I always say just don't start watering. Probe the soil and see if there's adequate moisture. Okay. That's number one. And she asks also, what do you do to keep the trees healthy? Uh, just basically use a, a fruit and berry fertilizer mm-hmm. and to keep the adequate moisture. Also check to see whether sometimes if the flowers come out and no leaves, sometimes the voles have eaten all the bark around the base of the tree. So check your base of the plants, like the bottom two feet, and make sure the bark is all on the tree too. So that can happen too. Okay. If they got damaged, then they're only going to flower, and then eventually they'll just wither up and die if the voles ate the bottom. All right. Uh, Bob in Saskatoon says, good morning. Enjoy your show. Our daughter built a house in Brighton. Yeah, that's a neighborhood in Saskatoon for everybody listening around the province. Yep. It is the sort of east end of the city, yep. you could call okay. it. Yep. Uh, anyways, want some privacy trees or shrubs along her fence uh, that grow with some height, 10 to 20 feet, but don't produce suckers. Her planting area will have afternoon and evening sun and looking for something that's low maintenance. What do you suggest? Low maintenance. So you could go with, um, there's a couple of plants you could put in there. One, if you don't want nothing big and you want to plant with a purpose, you could plant an apple tree, okay? Or a couple apple trees. They give you, they grow about the right height, about 16 feet tall, right? And nice and wide and dense. So you don't, you won't be able to see through it. Yep. I had them, I had a deck on one of my yards I had and it was a pie shaped lot. So I had seven yards backing onto my yard. Mm. And so I had some apple trees along there and I was great privacy. Okay. Okay. So otherwise, if you want something narrower, you could use things like uh, Dakota Pinnacle Birch, mm-hmm. nine feet wide and about 25 to 30 feet tall. Beautiful color in the fall. And don't take up a lot of space. If you want less space, then you go Parkland Pillar Birch, which doesn't sucker, and it only is six to seven feet wide and grows 25 feet tall. Right. So that's another one you can do. Is another one that's not quite as dense, but looks pretty nice and will give you some privacy. Is called a Prairie Spire uh, Crab Apple. Ooh, I did those in my yard. I like. And those. they have a purple green leaf to them, pink flower, and but they're narrow. They're only about three feet they're wide. They're quite narrow. Yeah, they're very okay. narrow. All right. Uh, so a couple of ideas there, Bob, for uh, your daughter. Uh, Annie's in Swift Current. Morning, I've got one of those lilac trees with a big trunk and a 
ball of flowers at the top. Yes. I have so many sprouts coming off the bottom, so it's kind of a half bush, half tree. Yep. What can I do to fix this? Trim, trim them off. Okay. So keep the trunk, obviously, of the yep. tree. So trim them off, and then what you do is after after you trim them off, every week I hang a bottle of, it's called... Um, uh, path Clear. Path Clear, or now it's called something else. It's called, I think it's called Wipeout. And uh, Path Clear is not around anymore. Oh, okay. And so there's called Wipeout, or another one you could use is Roundup Advance. Or just think about, think of the word advance. Forget about Roundup, just say advance. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay? What they are is a horticulture soap and also horticulture vinegar. And then you spray them. You, you hang them. I hang them on the lawnmower because it reminds me every week I'm going to go out in the spray. So when, as soon as a leaf pops out of the ground, I'm going to spritz it. Now, when you say you hang it on the lawnmower, what do you mean by the, sp- the sprayer? The sprayer, okay. The trigger sprayer, sorry. <laughs> yeah, on the handle. Hanging, on like the handle. balls of uh, then it re- it rem- sponges or what are we no, doing? It reminds me that that's, okay. I have to do that when I cut the lawn every week, yep. okay? And then I, as soon as I see a little tiny leaf come up, I spray it. Because every time you let these suckers grow up three feet tall yep. and I trim them, Wherever you trim them, two or three come up. It's going to multiply. And so all of a sudden you've got a big stool bed of all these suckers, and it's a mess. So that, But if you spray them and burn them off, then you won't get the stool bed. Right, okay. And the, and the, the ones chemicals I'm talking about does not a top, top gun, it's called. Sorry. Top gun, okay. Top gun and advance. Those are the two different ones. And as soon as you spray them, it burns it off, and then it doesn't let them stool and go into suckering. Okay. And it doesn't translocate into the tree and doesn't kill the tree. Perfect. Uh, this is from Mike, who's in Carlisle. Just wondering when to prune my carraganas and cherry tree. Um, basically, you can prune them after they're out in full leaf. Okay, you can do some minor pruning. Okay, any major pruning, I like to do when they're dormant. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, there you go. Uh, Marlene is in Saskatoon. The last two years I planted kohlrabi from seed in my garden. Every four or five plants gets no kohlrabi. The plant is all tough stems. I find that with the kohlrabi, it, again, kind of like the radishes, you want to work up that soil a little bit and make sure that you keep the soil quite moist, especially when they're germinating. Um, that's really, really, really important. Um, it might be a little too late to start some of that um, right now, but we do have kohlrabi bedding plants that you yeah. can get that have already been started. So you can maybe grab a few bedding plants mm, to okay. supplement as well. Uh, this next text had me laughing. That's why I was chuckling before. The deer have eaten my tulips for salad before they bloomed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> will they survive for another year? It's from Marilyn. Absolutely, yep. they, they will. will. Just yep. allow those leaves to just die back down. Give them some good bone meal or some alfalfa pellet tea, and uh, they'll be good to go for okay, next year. Okay, perfect. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's go to our next text. Uh, Kathy's in Regina. What's the best way to kill thistle? Uh, yard versus garden. Unfortunately, I have it in both areas. Okay, so in the yard, the best the best way to kill thistle because it goes right to the ground is using Roundup, but just a little spritz in the center of the plant. Right, they're in the rosette stage right now, so they mm-hmm. haven't put up their spike yet. And so just give them a little spray right in the center, and within two weeks, they're done, right down to the root. Okay. Uh, otherwise, you can use things like Kalex, too. Uh, works kind of okay. Or otherwise, the Weed Be Gone, which is an iron product, that works as well if it's in the lawn. It doesn't hurt the lawn because then you can spray a little more broad over the, the whole leaves, not worry about hurting the lawn, okay? In the garden, they're the same thing. Uh, either either dig take, a, take one, like Joe was talking before, it's got like a dandelion fork, and you can stick it in the ground, and you can get a deep root and pull it up and, and keep at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, other than that, just take a little spritzer bottle and you go right down to the to the to what I call the crown of the plant and just give it a little tiny, just a little spitz. 
right on top of the plant, and then that'll kill it. Okay. okay. You don't need to go from up high and spray a big area. You don't need to do that, okay? Just directly right. on the plant. Directly on the plant itself. Ross is in Saskatoon. Hi, guys. How far away from the house should I plant a Dakota Pinnacle Birch to prevent roots from potentially damaging the concrete foundation or other issues? Yeah. Um, the newer type basements usually is not a not a problem with the Dakota Pinnacle Birch. Okay. Uh, you know, it's an older type of 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 house where you got block walls or the old type of concrete, then you you know you may have some issues. So then you're going to want to be about 15 feet away then. Uh, but otherwise, the newer ones, I planted them up fairly close, just a matter of because they still get nine feet wide. So you got to be at least five five six feet away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yvette is in Lumsden. Yvette says, "Question for you guys: What do you suggest we do with the empty hanging pots after we move the flowers into larger pots? Is there a recycling program where we can bring these empty hanging basket pots in in somewhere?" There, could- there is no recycling program, but one of the great ways that I use the pots is I flip them upside down. And I put them in the bottom of my containers if I have got really deep containers, and I use that to sort of fill some space so that I'm not filling my whole pot with soil. So that's a great way to sort of reuse, reduce, recycle. Um, on the reuse front, I suppose, you know, if you've got a collection of them, mm-hmm. like put an ad on, you know, Facebook Marketplace, yep. give them, oh, Kijiji, give them away for free yeah. because there are people who, you know, have, uh, are always looking for pots to plant things That's in correct. just in their own little greenhouse. Uh, I've got family members who do that. They're always searching yep. for, you know, at, at uh, garage sales for pots or somebody's got a whole bunch of these pots that they bought flowers in. They don't want them anymore. She'll take them and use yep. them and plant things into. The bottom has the Recycling the little deco on the bottom, but the recyclers don't take them. Right. So, so I'd okay. say it's more about the reuse and and giving them away. Yep. Just give them away, right? Yeah. You you know, and give and somebody away, will reuse them for something use else. Use them as filler in the bottom of your containers. Those types of things. Yep. Right. Okay. Lots of texts coming in still, and we've got the lightning round coming up next. So get ready for it. It's on the way. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. It is the lightning round here on Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. Happy long weekend to you. Hope you're enjoying it. And here we go with a text that we're going to get to uh, throughout the show. This is from Ryan and Swift Current. Can I plant a tomato and pepper in the same pot? Absolutely, yep. you can, for sure. Just make sure your pot's big enough. That tomato needs at least a 12-inch pot and then your pepper on top of it. So I'd go with a 14 to 16-inch pot. Um, choose a determinate variety tomato because it's not going to grow super, super huge. Um, and if you do choose another variety, put a tomato cage around it as well. Okay. Eunice is in Saskatoon. I bought a Spanish lavender last year, transplanted in my flower garden last spring. Seemed to go through the summer fine. Looked promising. I trimmed it a little bit last fall. This year it's dry and brittle looks like a pile of sticks in the soil no sign of growth is it done yeah, the lavenders aren't that hardy here. That's okay. the problem. Yeah, so you want to, it, it might not be done. Um, sometimes we're seeing them even come up first week in June. So just wait a little bit. You can trim it back, um, all that dead growth back right to the base. Um, and then you can even just pull back some of that soil from around the bottom and just sort of check if you want to scrape the scrape the base and see if you got any No, there's a houseplant there. lavender and then there's a perennial lavender. Mm-hmm. So, it so all lavender which... Munstead is the one that's hardy here in Saskatchewan. Yep. So make sure if you do choose a new lavender, choose the lavender Munstead. That's the hardy one. The houseplant lavenders are the ones that you buy in the grocery stores yep. to see around. Those are actually um, a great annual, but they're not hardy to Saskatchewan. Mm. Okay, so it may be that Eunice has just the wrong type. Might, might not have made it. Might, might not have made it. it. Kate and Weyburn, morning. We fertilize spring, summer, and late fall with turf builder. We also apply straight nitrogen as well mid-season. The last two springs, we've had extreme winter kill and mold. Are we over-fertilizing? In the fall. Don't over-fertilize in the fall. Mm, okay. Use a low nitrogen in the fall because you, you, don't want the, you don't want that 
extra growth to happen, and then they get the snow molds that would build up on that all that new lush green growth mm. underneath the snow. Okay, are we and, and how do we stop the mold on and and the lawn kill? Like yep. there is a cop, we can spray something too, right? You can spray a copper sulfate. That's copper what Bordeaux. copper Bordeaux or a copper sulfate. Uh, there's some other ones that are out there that are probably even better than copper, but they're only available commercially. So uh, for at at you know. Like the um, like the golf courses use them and that kind of stuff, right? And then make sure that you're cutting your lawn down to the right level. Don't yep. let, leave it really, really tall, and, and then it won't pack that. Slow much. down the watering a bit on your grass in the fall. You know, we don't need to keep it really green and lush right into the fall. After September long weekend, start getting it ready for wintertime. Mm, okay. okay. Uh, this is from Linda in Regina. Can you give me some advice about a Swiss cheese plant? It's long and lots of leaves are turning brown. Okay, so there could be a few different things if the leaves are turning brown. Either you're underwatering or if you're overwatering. It's a philodendron, so it likes to um, be a little bit dry between watering. The other thing it could be is too much sunlight, so really watch that too. Um, give it some fertilizer. Stick your finger into the soil up to your first or second nickel when it feels dry to the touch. That's the only time you need to be watering. And when you're watering, water enough so that water comes out the bottom of the pot. That will make sure the roots go nice and deep into the pot and they don't stay shallow. Okay. Shelly is... Uh... Uh, asking us this question, what's your opinion on using fertilizer spikes in the country? Fertilizer spikes in, in a dry dry time don't work very well. Okay. Uh, just because what happens, you need rain to, for them to dilute. So unless you got a, on, a, on a, some kind of a, not just a drip irrigation, but a, you know, an irrigation over to, overhead where it can dilute the, the fertilizer spikes, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't work that good. So unless you have irrigation... If you have irrigation, no, no problem. No irrigation, then it doesn't work. Using a liquid fertilizer, you mix it with water, pour around the plants is a better way of doing and it. And you're pouring them around the drip line of the yep, tree, too. Exactly. Okay. Lynn is in North Battleford on our text line. Good morning. I purchased three different melon plants. want to plant each in a half whiskey barrel. What kind of soil fertilizer is best? And do I stake them or let them run on the mulched ground? Um, so what I would do is make sure that you use a good potting mix in those yeah. barrels. Don't just use garden soil because yeah. it's going to pack down yeah. too much. There's a herb and vegetable mix. Herb and mix. vegetable mix yeah. that's really good by ProMix that works good, and it's an organic mix too. Right. Um, so I would use that. Make sure you're fertilizing often. That's the other big tip that you would have. And then if you want an to... organic I, fertilizer. Yep. Yeah, and then if you want yep. to, I would either put um, a trellis or make a teepee with some bamboo stakes and then have it grow up that um, they do get quite large, especially the leaves. So if you just let it grow on, onto the ground, it's going to cover quite a large area. So maybe mm. ha- let it grow up and then maybe it can spill over as well too. Right. So it'll give it some room to grow. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, this text is from Linda and it says, you just mentioned giving cherry trees, uh, fruit and berry fertilizer. Yes. I talked about that. Last week I wrote down, you said a cherry tree doesn't like fertilizer. That's right. Cause that's <laughs> why I use fruit and berry because it's only a nitrogen of one. Right. Or a nitrogen of three. So it's very little, but it has all the other micronutrients. And I think last week we were talking about somebody who's not getting cherries. Yep. Right? So if you over-fertilize some of these fruit plants, they're not going to reproduce themselves. That's right. But to keep a tree healthy, they still need some food. Yeah. Some food, yeah. So there is one that's formulated for berry plants. It's yep. called Fruit and Berries and Organic by Dirt and Grow. Yep. And it works really, really well on those cherry trees. Right, without stunting their exactly. fruit and berry production. So use the right fertilizer yep. for the right Right. So, yes. so thanks for the clarification, yeah, Linda. Yeah, appreciate that. Another Linda in Langham says, My Saskatoon and cherry trees are flowering, but there's no bees. How can I attract some? Enjoy your show. Oh, I love the, using some pollinators in my yep. yard, too. So you might want to get some perennials planted around that area, too 
like some good salvia, um, works awesome, some echinacea, um, just some of these uh, pollen. Well, the problem is you need ones that bloom really early. Early. Well, salvia so, blooms pretty early. Yeah, so Burgenia. Burgenia. Uh, uh, there's, does there's, well in the more sun and shade. Yep. You can even things like uh, like tulips in the spring and the bulbs, you know, uh, for Scythia uh, uh, plants right now. Right now, um, you know, like all the... Um, the cher- the cherries are blooming, like a western sand cherry and mm-hmm. those kind of things. Different more flowers, you know, those are shrubs, they don't take up that much room. And then you more flowers you can get the, the early blooming, like double flowering plum, okay? That's another one. It's a shrub. Yep, right. Or flowering almond, uh, Russian almond that I have has a couple lilacs in the area. Yeah. Lilacs don't bloom till June though, and the Saskatoons are done. So I'm trying to get something that blooms the same time as the Saskatoons, which is mm-hmm. right now. Right, right. So you have to get the early, early blooming plants to, to, to be able to attract more pollinators. In the okay. Area. Uh, Andrea in Warman, my Rutabecchia seedlings leaves are curling inward. Any ideas? Um, is it right after they've sort of, I, I guess my question would be if it's doing it right after the seed has kind of burst out, then it could just be like lack of water or too much sunlight. So it's usually we're seeing with a watering issue. Um, but if, if, we're but seeing if it's the, inwards also could also mean either spider mite or aphids underneath the branch. Yeah, so branch too. It's either bugs or water. Yep. One of the two. Mm-hmm. If they're okay. curling. I have an iris plant, uh, iris plant against the house. Need to move it this week. North facing house. How do I transplant them so it blooms and survives? Lots of dirt with the bulb. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. If and you're moving it now, because the leaves are green, popped up already, right? And irises are best to be moved when they're dormant. Yeah. So but doing you, that. I've moved them though, and just take a, a take your really shovel big root ball. and take as much dirt as you can move with that shovel. Okay. But if you're dividing them at all, do that when it's dormant. Yeah. Don't divide now. Just move it. Okay. If we didn't get your text on the air here, we'll get your text answered off the air. Just a couple here that left that we didn't get to. So uh, your text will be answered. Otherwise, uh, happy gardening. Thanks for joining us this weekend. Yes. Enjoy the rest of your time out in the yard and doing what you're doing, and have a great time and we'll see you same time same place next weekend i'm jay with jill and rick you've been listening to garden talk on 980 cjme and 650 ckom